Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Kyle Jones. Thanks for being on the show, Kyle. Thanks for having me, Whitney. Kyle primarily works as a global sales leader for a Fortune 100 high-tech company, where he is currently responsible for revenue of $323 million worldwide for a specific product. He also owns a residential appraisal company that is on track to gross about $300,000 in the second year of doing business. And lastly, Kyle and his wife are also currently key principals in about $12 million worth of real estate, which they have acquired through multifamily syndications. So Kyle doesn't have much to do, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, well, I left off my three young kids and a traveling job as well in addition to that. So it's fun over here. Yeah, so I got to hear Kyle speak a little bit at a conference a few months ago. I knew he was doing some deals and I knew he'd be a great guest. So Kyle, thanks again for being on the show. And uh, tell the listeners you know, who you are and a little more about what you're doing, what you're focused on right now in, you know, in this syndication business. Yeah, absolutely. So again, thanks for having me. So I've been in real estate overall for probably five to six years now. Early on, much like many folks, focused on single families, did some flips, some accidental flips in a sense where we purchased a couple houses with the intention to live, but just through renovations had found some buyers and then parlayed that into buy and holds as well. And from there, I really became turned on to scaling the portfolio and, and looking at how we can do that. And so as you know, multifamily and apartments is a big way to do that. And so had a couple things that happened around that time that really turned me on to ultimately working towards this whole concept of financial freedom and replacing your expenses and then the goals to replace your income and just keep growing from there. And so essentially kind of right in the middle of that, uh, as I like to say, and then still actively trying to do deals even in this type of market, certainly taking a lot longer to find the right deal when we come across it. But we're usually ready to act pretty quickly when we can just because of the experience that we've been able to come up with so far. Nice. So tell us what your company's doing right now. Tell maybe a little history about how many deals you've done or maybe a, tell us about a current deal you're working on. Sure. So a little bit of history. We started just self-funding our own deals. I knew I wanted to eventually move into a syndication where we were actually raising capital and providing opportunities for investors. But before we made the plunge into that, I wanted to do a couple deals on my own. And so just through some savings, we were able to acquire some smaller multifamilies, 14 units, 21 units, little properties like that, that we've been able to really bring up, stabilize, bring occupancy up and do some renovations and just manage an asset personally from that perspective. And then from there, once I felt comfortable enough, I started really looking at ways to scale and how to raise money. And so fast forward, skipping a few steps, we parlayed that into essentially five different syndications to this point. So we've been able to build the portfolio up to... It's about a $12 million portfolio and counting. We've been focused in and around the Southeast part of the US uh, in some specific markets. Uh, that are showing signs of growth, that have a lot of economic drivers that are coming in, also in population growth, job growth, things like that. And so now we're kind of moving into some other markets where we've really 
been focused in networking and trying to uncover deals and it's just really taken some time. So, you know, specifically we're looking at Atlanta market, other parts of the Carolinas currently based in Houston, but haven't really paid much attention here just because of the prices and compressed cap rates and things like that. So right now we've got a deal we're about to officially go into contract on in Atlanta that will be our largest acquisition to date, which is about a 250 unit property at once. So let's talk about one of the most recent deals. Maybe the we can talk about that one or maybe the most recent one you closed on. Could you just give us some history on it? And obviously, I'll have a bunch of questions. Sure, sure. Yeah. So this was a deal that I'm really excited about. It's in a market that probably not a lot of people are really paying attention to, but the Gulfport, Biloxi, Mississippi area. So, you know, like it because they're doing a port expansion project. And we've seen in other port cities when they actually make the investment into expanding the port which basically means just making it wider and deeper for larger ships to come in. That brings some larger companies to put larger distribution centers that are close by. So Mobile, Alabama is very close. It's about 45 minutes from Gulfport Biloxi. And so they went through that project, the port expansion project a few years ago and brought in Airbus, Walmart. Amazon has a very large regional distribution center there. So just things like that. So we kind of feel like we're on the early phases of a a little bit of an emerging market. But the main thing that I liked really about this deal is right around 100 units. It's a C-class only by vintage, meaning the year that's built, but it's in an A-B area. I mean, it's in a major thoroughfare, basically Maine and Maine for uh, Gulfport and just tons of traffic up and down there. You know, I, I went down there and as part of my investor package, I took the time to just make a two-minute video just showing how much traffic was literally just at the corner of our property just because it was so impressive right off Highway 49, which is north and south straight out of the airport and the port of Gulfport itself. The other big thing that I really like about this in addition to the location is that it was a true 6.5-7% cash-on-cash return in year one without making any improvements. And so we were also buying it at a, you know, a discount with undervalue rents. And our appraisal proved that as well when we got that back. And even since then, since the transition, we acquired that deal in about from the time of this recording about three, four weeks ago. And so through the transition, we've already started to look at ways to increase rents. Frankly, we haven't had the luxury to... We haven't had to push any tenants out. Physical occupancy is high 90s. And so we're looking at... Basically, we have two units right now of all 100 that are not pre-leased. So we're looking at going ahead and going with the renovation plan for one of those and then just testing the market for the other one as is, you know, just basically getting ready. And just with the rent ready unit, we're looking at an increase of about $75 to $100 premium just because it's below market. And that's without doing any renovations, just doing a true rent ready turn, cleaning it up and getting the trash out and things like that. And so we're really excited about the upside there, severely undervalued. And, and then the last thing is, is truly a very clean property. The previous owner self-managed it, didn't really manage it very well from an operational standpoint, but they did take care of all the deferred maintenance. So there really wasn't a whole lot of that. Roofs are in good shape. Plumbing is in good shape and everything else. So uh, I'm really excited about that. How did you find this property? So just through previous broker relationships. So the, the previous deals that we closed were all with uh, same broker. So to tell a little bit of a story there, after we had closed on those initial deals, 
we were talking more about what they had in the pipeline and he in, invited me out. He said, hey, we're going to look at Pensacola, Mobile and Gulfport. So why don't you come out? You can ride along type of deal. And so what I didn't know is that this was the first time he was meeting with the owner of this property. And so he basically said, hey, you got to pretend you're with a brokerage, blah, blah, blah. They don't know. So it was, like, <laughs> it was really cool. Um, ultimately, it was just a testament to closing deals, building rapport with the broker. And you know, it's really no, nothing special, no secret about it. It's just a matter of getting on a plane and getting out there and getting boots on the ground. Nice. Nice. So you found the deal. You know, I know you went through those many things, but what's some buying criteria that you have to say, okay, quickly, this deal works or it doesn't? Yeah. So I think with the markets that I'm looking in, I can kind of tell just based on just because I'm familiar and most of the markets, we've already acquired deals there. I can actually just take a look at the rent roll and kind of see if there is value in the rents based on the type of property it is. And then also just knowing what the asking price is, price per door, you know. So from there, if it starts to meet the criteria, we'll go in and actually do a full-blown underwriting process where we'll take the actuals, plug it into our model, and then tweak the expenses to maybe add. Nobody tends to add a reserve account. So adding a reserve account for self-managed properties, we've got to add in the property management fee and take a look at payroll as well and just kind of line it up with what we know we're paying for our payroll and making sure that it adds up. So just adjusting the expenses that way and obviously insurance and property taxes too. But all that said, you know, we want to see like most people that there's a, a story there around increasing rents through renovations. But when that puts out in the model, we want to see generally I can get investors excited on over the course of a five to seven year business plan and with a 15% IRR, but I usually focus more on the cash on cash returns just because of the investors that I work with, you know, are more concerned about cash flow and cash on cash than IRR generally. So we're looking at anywhere from an eight to 10% cash on cash return through the life of the deal. Nice. So how much capital did you have to raise for this deal? Just over 1.7 million. And tell us about just how it was structured and maybe why it was structured the way that it was. Yeah. So generally in the past, we just do straight equity splits with 80% to the limited partners or the investors and then 20%. So when you say straight equity splits, break that down a little bit to somebody that's never talked like this before. Well, so it's quite common in the industry to offer a preferred return. So basically you're saying that you're guaranteeing X percent, 8% generally seems to please investors. So instead of doing a split plus a preferred return, we're just doing higher equity to the investors of 80%. Because when you offer a preferred return, you typically see a maybe a 70% equity split to investors or even 60% in some cases. And then you get into offering KPIs around where you can waterfall that down, meaning you can move the equity back towards more favorable towards a general partner if they start hitting those return metrics. So for us, I've found that just doing a straight equity, meaning all we do is offer equity. So 80% to the investors, 20% to the general partners, no preferred return has been a way that we can you know, still tell the story through them hitting their returns the re- and meeting the returns criteria that we're trying to set for ourselves. But if you think about it, it also offers more upside to the investor on a deal that performs very well for straight equity because they're getting more equity versus just hitting their preferred return. And so on this deal, we actually went with an 85-15 split 
So we even gave them an extra five points of equity. And we did that because Gulfport was a newer market for us. So we hadn't done a deal on Gulfport yet, but we felt very confident with our team in place and the property manager that we're leveraging there. Very experienced, you know, been in the business 30 years, actually started as a developer, had developed a lot of the properties in Gulfport, Mobile, Pensacola area. So they knew the market very well. And they already had some sister properties in the area that were actually achieving some of the higher rents that we were using as comps. And they're not in as, as good a location as we are. So do you provide a, you know, a larger portion to the investors just to try to encourage more investors or more investment? I think we do things a little bit different than what you see in the norm. I mean, so we take, we allow non-accredited investors to invest as well. And we generally set the minimums at 50,000 going out. And then we kind of assess where we are. If we, on occasion, we'll take a minimum of 30,000 for an investor that is just hungry to do a deal just to get the experience. And from there, I don't know. I personally feel that offering a straight equity split offers more alignment between the general partners and the investors, especially in a time we're buying deals that in many cases could seem like they're overpriced. Well, if you offer a preferred return as a general partner and the deal starts going south and you start building up, let's say you're not able to pay out the 8% year one through three. Well, essentially, that means that the general partner is definitely not getting paid at all in many cases. And so, you know, they could just kind of throw their hands up and say, hey, we're done, we're moving on and we're going to sell the deal. And yes, you as the investor are still going to get all your principal back or you're going to get the first distributions with a preferred return, but that that may not bring you back up to an 8% pref even on the sale. And so the general partner might be selling the deal a little bit early not realizing the true actual returns on a preferred return. So that's how we overcome that objection. And because there's a lot of people that are doing deals with a pref, uh, preferred return. So when we talk to it that way, it generally puts them at ease because just because somebody's offering a preferred return doesn't mean it's a guaranteed return. So, right. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Nothing's guaranteed. Somebody says that run, right? (laughs) You know, so what's the plan Quickly, like, what's the plan going forward or business plan with this property? With this one, we're going to continue to renovate the units as we can. I think we'll see where we are with the market as is when a property or excuse me, when a unit does become available. But ultimately, we want to take the average rents up by about 100 to $150 from where we are today over the course of three years. And then we projected a sale at year six. So We've got debt on it to take us to 20-year term, but the plan is to sell or refinance at year six, between year six and seven. Tell us about some, I guess, ongoing management that you're having to do right now. What's important that you're doing right now to make sure all this happens? Well, right now, we're really busy just getting through the transition process from the previous manager. So we're uncovering some things that always seem to surface transition versus due diligence in many cases. Nothing major has come up. so. It's still pretty straightforward from what we knew we were getting into in due diligence to now. It's just, I guess the main thing that we're dealing with is tenants come out of the woodworks when they find out there's a new owner and they have a laundry list of problems that have never been fixed and all these great ideas. And so we're open to taking a look at those as needed. Of course, if they have maintenance issues, we address those immediately, but that's not always the case. So 
we're really just still actively working through the transition process. And then from there, we've got a project plan that we're actually putting together as well. We're going in and looking at all the leases, trying to get a handle on which leases are coming up for expiration over the course of the next 12 months so we can get an idea on how many units we can potentially turn in the next 12 months. Nice. So Kyle, you got a minute with somebody, they come up to you and say, you know, I really want to get into the syndication business. What do you tell them? Yeah. So for me personally, it was all about just really digging in and and taking the action around it. So I started with studying, reading books, listening to podcasts, much like yours, Whitney, and then just start talking to people, start reaching out. A lot of these podcast guests that are on all these types of shows are more than willing to have a call with you. And so I actually took the liberty to actually reach out to a lot of them when they would provide their contact information and just talk to them about how they got started. And so from there, just took the knowledge that I had gained there. And then ultimately started to meet with brokers, you know, go out and try to meet people face to face. Thankfully, in my corporate life, I have a flex schedule where I do work from home majority of the time when I'm not traveling. So I can go out and see some of these markets on my own dime and meet with brokers. And ultimately, that's brokers just want to know that you're a real person. If you're talking to a broker in another state, another city, because maybe you live in a, an area that is overpriced or harder to find deals, go look in other markets, but just make sure that you show some initiative and that in combination with your knowledge that you've gained will show them that you're a serious person. What's been the hardest part of the syndication business or process for you? I think it's still, even though it seems I'm talking like I've got deals out my ears, it's still pretty challenging to make sense of a lot of deals right now, much like a lot of other folks. So it's hard that when you're really getting close to a deal, not to waver off some of your criteria, but it means the world to your investors when you can go tell the story. And right now, all of our investors are questioning how we're being conservative and how we're underwriting conservative. So being able to tell a strong story around that is very critical. And for example, like this Atlanta deal, they've seen year-to-year rent growth in the range of 5 to 7%. And our underwriting right now is modeled at 2 And we're still able to hit some of those key returns that we're projecting. So, you know, just little things like that. What's a way that you've recently improved your business that we could apply to ours? So for me, as you heard in the beginning, I've got a few things going on in my life that thankfully they bring income to me. But I'm really big on leveraging other people's skill sets. And you do that through finding good partners. And so what that means for me in the real estate world is leveraging other people's skill sets who have the ability to raise capital, handle investor relations. They know how to communicate with investors. And so that allows me to really focus on finding the deals and structuring the deals and then leverage their skill set to help with the capital raise. And then so I can after we close the deal, now I can focus more on the asset management piece. But even then, I'm in the process of working with a friend of mine who I've met through the business who has a really strong skill set in asset management. And he's definitely more hands-on, spreadsheet-driven and everything else, which I can use a spreadsheet. I know how to run the models and everything. I've, I've gotten to know the underwriting process. But taking the information from the property manager and actually putting it into a form that makes sense to an investor to communicate it out, and then handling taxes at this time of year that we're in now. And just a lot of just mundane tasks. This individual is very good at that. And that's something that I'm essentially looking to him to handle for all of our properties moving forward, as long as he wants to. 
so I'm still involved in the asset management and the strategic conversations, you know, weekly meetings and things like that. But I actually, I'm not doing the grunt work, if you will. What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? I have to go back to just taking action. For me, I haven't done anything special in the sense that nobody else could do themselves. I mean, I got on a plane, I went and drove properties with a broker, spent countless time with a broker, spent hours upon hours in many cases that's accumulated, of course. But just getting in front of them. And it's led to off-market deals. This Atlanta deal, this is a true off-market deal. And we're buying it under value for where comps are. You can see that with the CoStar reports. It helps me acquire another pocket listing, which is more where the broker's getting ready to list the property. But maybe me and a couple other people have access to the deal. And then it's just really put me in good position. I mean, on that Gulfport deal, I wasn't even the highest bidder. I was the third highest bidder. But I had done deals. I had built rapport with this particular broker. And he ultimately gave us another chance to prove ourselves. Nice. Nice. No, that's great to hear. Congratulations on that. So is there a need in your business right now that you'd like to put out to the listeners? I mean, I may open myself up, but I'm always willing to partner with good people who can bring value and in capacity. I mean, I feel like I have a good handle on sourcing deals and structuring the deals and putting them together. But if you've got a high interest in getting involved, look for a way to add value through any type of skill set, whether if you know people who have high net worth or if you have a knack for marketing and maybe you can help with the investor presentation or, or things like that. But I think that's how you ultimately can kind of get your foot in the door to talking to existing folks who are doing deals, You know, just finding a way to bring value to them. So, I mean, we're always looking for people who can partner up with bringing their groups of investors and handling the investor communications. Awesome. So how do you like to give back? So give back with my time by mentoring school-aged kids from... We just signed up for a new program through the local school district here. So they match us up with a uh, school-aged kid anywhere from elementary to high school in some cases. And I think I'm about to get matched up with a high school kid. So it's really just spending time with them. Generally, these people are come from families with a, just a single parent type background. And then also, you know, very various charities. We give back a lot to our local church uh, financially. I uh, really like to partake in that kind of stuff as well. And, you know, we're always looking to give in certain ways to just different charities and people in need. So awesome. Kyle, tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about your business. Yeah. So my marketing firm is that I've hired is getting my website up and running. So I'm not sure when this will air, but hopefully it'll be up by then. But it's just www.truepointcap.com. And then my email address is kjones at truepointcap.com. So you've done five syndications and don't have a website. <laughs> is that it's, right? It's hard to believe. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. No, yeah. I, I, you know, everybody <laughs> thinks the website's the first thing you got to have. And yeah, it's nice, but. We bootstrapped it. That's awesome. We just found the pavement. <laughs> so anyway, Kyle, thank you so much for your time and providing just your expertise and content to the listeners. We appreciate the listeners being with us today. And uh, I hope you all will reach out to Kyle and also go to LifeBridge Capital and connect with me and also go to our Facebook group, The Real Estate Syndication Show, where you can network with people like Kyle and ask questions or, or submit questions for me that you want me to ask on the show and we can grow our businesses together. Thanks again, Kyle, and we'll talk to all the listeners tomorrow. Thanks, Wendy. Thank you for listening to The Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. 
LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.